Well, my name is David Vaughn. Welcome again to Whitewater in this service. If you're watching online, we love it that you're here. I have two words to begin today's message. It stinks. I'm not talking about the weather, although you know what? It is March. What is going on? It stinks. I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about a subject that we're going to talk about over the next month. I'm talking about religion. Wrongly practiced, religion stinks. It has an aroma. It has a stench about it that those of us in this church, especially if we've lived on the west side for a long time, know exactly what I'm talking about. Let me talk to you about why and what I mean by that. Religion, practiced rightly, is a pretty cool thing. In fact, James mentions it here in James 1.27. For some reason, man and sadly, religious leaders have hijacked what real religion is supposed to be. Here's how James describes it. <clears throat> religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. And this first one sounds kind of like a Solve 7 initiative. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and B, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. May I propose or suggest to you that that second part, keeping oneself from being polluted by the world, is a never-ending thing. That's the hardest of all. That's what authentic religion should look like. But sadly, over the years, that gets hijacked by inauthentic, improper, very unsatisfying expressions of faith, where we move from a relationship about a person, how we got here, I don't know, all the way over to where we have a set of rules or rituals or right acts that determine whether you get into heaven or not. It's kind of like in this religious system, improperly, wrongly practiced, it's like God is keeping score with some cosmic redemptive point system like there is in our bumper video or like you will see on the wall before and after church here. There's even a popular TV show called The Good Place. It's kind of a show on morality that portrays this. You do enough good, you're in. You do enough wrong, you're out. And can I just say to you, it stinks. Not to show the system that says you can somehow earn your way by following the rules. And this is not just David Vaughn, me, saying this either. Jesus was like constantly addressing this when he was on planet Earth. The biggest throwdowns, the biggest run-ins uh, with the religious people of his day were with these guys named the scribes or the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were guided by tradition and rules, not by love for Jesus and others. They lost the relational component of their practicing faith. Check this out in Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is, now imagine if, I'm gonna read it to you. Imagine if I started the message by addressing you in this way. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. When's the last time somebody called you a hypocrite other than me just doing it right then? When's the last time? He says, here's how you guys are. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In other words, you're dead. Religion is something dead. It stinks. In the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Imagine, gee, later on in this text, he calls them snakes and vipers. Wow. 
That, that's not like very PC or the way to win friends and influence people. Why was Jesus so in their face about that? Why was he condemning them? Because they were about rules. They made it hard for people to get in relationship with him. See, the Pharisees would say, change and you can join us. But Jesus said, join us and you will change. Behave, they said, and you can belong. Jesus said, you know what? You can start belonging even before you start believing. And guess what? You will start becoming something better. Jesus would say that this kind of religion wrongly practiced stinks. Now, there are a ton of reasons why religion stinks, and over the next month, we're going to be unpacking some of the top ones. I saw an article not long ago that listed 50 reasons why religion stinks. I would agree with most of them. Some of you could probably add to that list. Religion stinks because it's fake. It creates a false scorecard. We're going to talk about that. Religion stinks because it's a, it's a buzzkill for joy. Religion stinks because it leads to judging and legalism in a church a community. Religion, and this I really want to drill down on this today, it stinks because what religion does, it specializes in unhealthy guilt. Now, there is a healthy guilt that comes from the spirit, but there's an unhealthy guilt that comes from being in a highly ritual, rule-based religious system. And some of you, especially on the west side, you get the guilt thing. I don't even really have to explain it. Jim Gaffigan, great comedian, he wrote a piece not long ago on guilt and parenting, but he took a little bit different turn. He writes, I wasn't ready for the guilt of being a parent. I was raised Catholic, so guilt is a familiar friend. Guilt is as much a part of my Catholic culture as is rooting for Notre Dame. I grew up with a God is watching you, so you better not make him mad mentality. I feel guilty for feeling good. I feel guilty for feeling bad. I feel guilty for feeling nothing. Attending confession was supposed to alleviate some of my guilt, but I always ended up feeling guilty for not telling the priest everything I felt guilty about. So I stopped going to confession. Then I felt guilty about that. There's a lot of guilt. Just when I thought that nothing could top my Catholic guilt, I became acquainted with parental guilt which totally puts Catholic guilt to shame. Sorry, Catholic guilt, now I feel guilty for shaming you. <laughs> well, at least now you know how I feel. He has captured the essence of what some of us here in this room have been experiencing for a long time. See, guilt is not just for Catholics, it's for Protestants. Guilt in a religious system is an equal opportunity pursuer. I grew up, like maybe some of you did, in a pretty legalistic Protestant church. When I, as I grew up, you were chur at church every time the door opened. Any of y'all remember that? Any of y'all grew up in that atmosphere? And you kind of got judged by how often you were there. I mean, we went to church Wednesday night, went to church Sunday, all day, like Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. If you're really righteous, you went Sunday night. And you felt guilty if you didn't go to church. So you can understand how I felt about 30 years ago when I was a young preacher growing up with that kind of environment. And I went on vacation with my family to the Monterey Peninsula. And while out there, I found out that I could play golf at Pebble Beach. 
Now, if you don't know anything about golf, you won't appreciate this. Pebble Beach is like the cathedral of golf. But I found out the only morning that I could play was Sunday morning. Oh. You know, I am on like on a different coast. I, you know, nobody will know. So instead of going to church, I played golf. And man, I don't know where this comes from, but I felt so guilty. Now, it, 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 it evaporated when I got to the back nine. I mean, it was really nice. <laughs> you see the views of the Monterey Peninsula, Pebble Beach, on us, you're like, God, thank you. This is my worship. Thank you for that. Where does that come from? You don't have to be Catholic to have that kind of guilt. Some of you even feel guilty about attending here because it's not your church of origin. I have these conversations all the time, family heritage, religious tradition, big on the West side. I saw this article in the Enquirer not long ago. You tell me where this guy might be from. At the age of 30, this guy wrote, I still identify myself to many acquaintances by establishing where I attended high school. I'm Catholic, I love Geta, I'm frugal. My wife and I met because her best friend is my brother-in-law's sister. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. We live within a 15 minute drive of 80% of our immediate and extended family. By all accounts, I am a purebred Cincinnati West Sider, and I'm proud of it. Those of us on the West Side, you know what? We so get this. That's why perhaps the West Side is the best side. I'm just saying, I don't know. But I know you know what I'm talking about. So for some of us in this room, some of you watching online, leaving or transitioning from the church of your youth can be a very stressful, tension-filled family conversation. I met a woman in a, a lady in a social setting not long ago. I introduced myself to her. I said, my name is David Vaughn. She said, oh, I know who you are. She said, my daughter and her husband and my grandkids were raised Catholic, but they attend your church and we're not happy about it. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation. So I know where some of y'all come from. She said, but I got to, to her credit, she said, I wasn't too happy about it, but we decided that if they were praying and worshiping God, we will be pleased. At least they're going somewhere. I think that's a compliment, I'm not sure. So I said what I usually said, I said, hey, my only competition is the devil, it's not another church. Why don't you come and visit us sometime? Oh, I know that was bad. So let me just be clear up front. We, we can't, can't have, have an authentic, authentic conversation, conversation today or this month without us saying the words Catholic and Protestant, without talking about those. But this is not, hear my heart now, this is not a Catholic bashing sermon series. Sadly, it breaks my heart because there's too much division about that already, maybe even on the West Side or across centuries. I saw a tragic picture of the graves of a Catholic woman and her Protestant husband who were not allowed to be buried together because of the stress. Look at that. True picture. That is kind of a picture of what I hope we will be in this church. 
the Catholics and Protestants can somehow, in our church, if we could somehow reach across the relational, theological divide, the walls that have been built up, especially on the west side, and be the first to extend a hand and say, you know what, there's something there is about a wall that needs to come down. What is that? I'm praying that we will be Protestants and Catholics working together under the umbrella of a man named Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you, if you look at the demos, we're high Catholic on this side of town. But in actuality, there are a ton of Catholic folks. That was our church of origin, praise God. They're in Protestant churches right now. See, I believe, just so you know, there are Catholic Christians and there are Protestant Christians. Being a Christ follower has nothing to do with the name over the door of your church. It has everything to do with the relationship of Jesus in your heart. There are Catholic Christians who believed in Jesus, who many, by the way, have been immersed by baptism in their faith walk. I've met wonderful Catholic Christians. I have met Protestant Christians who are just as legalistic, just as guilt-ridden, just as issue-oriented, just as religious-dominated as I've ever seen in Catholic world. So I'm part, if you attend here, you're part of a Christian church, which in some sectors makes me Protestant. Could I just say this to you? I'm not really protesting a certain church. The only thing I'm protesting is any church expression that adds or takes away from the simple gospel relationship with Jesus Christ. Protestants, Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, Buddhists, all have this thread of stinking religious thinking that pervades and flows through them. I'm talking about even legalistic Church of Christers, <laughs> which is my background and some of y'all. I have met some of the most mean-spirited, legalistic people in our tribe that I've ever met. I heard this joke about this guy who died and went to heaven and St. Peter was showing him around and as they walked by, there was a little group of people huddled over in the corner and the guy said to Peter, what's up with that? He said, oh, those people are from the Church of Christ, but shh, they think they're the only ones up here. I grew up in a faith background that said, you know what? I ain't too sure you're going to heaven. I'm still not sure about some of y'all, but I am not sure that I'm even going to heaven because of what I would call a false gospel narrative. See, how do you know whether you're attending uh, any church, Protestant, Catholic, doesn't matter. How do you know whether it's an authentic church or not? How do you tell the false from the true? Well, here's how you know. When, next time you're there, this church or any church, ask yourself, is this thing, is this church man-centered or is it God-man-centered? Is it Jesus-centered? Are they talking more about Jesus or are they talking more about the rules? Are, is there a list of do's and don'ts that determine whether I'm going to heaven or is there not? See, Jesus plus anything is not an authentic gospel. Beware of anybody from this stage, myself included, says, you know what, Jesus plus this gets you to heaven. You got, oh, Jesus is great, but you gotta do this, 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 this to earn your way. On the contra of that coin, Jesus minus 
anything is not the gospel either. Don't let anybody say, well, you know, everybody's going to heaven. I, I know that's what Jesus said, but we can kind of not take his words literally. Jesus plus anything is not an authentic gospel. Jesus minus anything is not the gospel. There was a guy named Paul that put it this way in Galatians. In fact, he wrote a whole letter to a church that was caught up in this religious legalistic thinking. I hope you'll read the book of Galatians before this series is over. This is how Paul put it. I'm astonished, he said, I'm like shocked, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. See, there's a difference between grace and guilt. And are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. The simple, you get to heaven by grace through faith. No more, no less. Now check out his strong warning. But even if we or an angel from heaven, that's pretty high you know, qualification. If we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you about relationship, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, he, it's like repeats it. If anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. The Galatian church, what was their issue? They were believing that it was Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus this really strict Jewish code. That's the way to get to heaven. And in some really long and strong language, Paul just basically refutes that. He said, listen, that's a false narrative gospel. That's a gospel that's not, not exactly what Jesus died for. In fact, Jesus would be opposed to that. Now listen, here's my thinking. Here's what I want you to hear. Just because you're exposed to the gospel, many of us have been on the west side of Cincinnati, just because you're exposed to the gospel doesn't mean you've experienced the gospel. L look at me. Some of us in this room have been so exposed to just enough religion to inoculate ourselves from the real gospel relationship of Jesus Christ. Some of us have just enough religion, just enough to do's and don'ts, that we have been inoculated from relationship. It would be really easy if some of us never had a church background because we gotta unprogram, unpack, deprogram our thinking to get on the relationship side. Many of us, just like me growing up in my church of Christ, well-meaning people, but a lot of rules. When you have a works-based mentality with your practice, it's exhausting. How do you know? How good you have to be in any one day before you got assurance that you're going to heaven. It ruins assurance. How good do you have to be to get to heaven? In fact, that's why we want to give every one of you here today a free little booklet called How Good is Good Enough from Andy Stanley. These are available in the doors. It costs us a couple dollars. If you want to help us defray the cost, throw them in the offering boxes. Even if you don't put money in, we want everybody here to have one. Read the first couple chapters. This, this book will change your life. This book will change it even more so. Check that out. But why is it that we struggle with being good enough in our practice? See, religion fuels guilt. Jesus in relationship fuels grace. Religion seeks to shame people. Jesus came to set people free. Religious, religion is about att att attainment. Grace and relationship is about atonement. Religion puts our confidence in a practice, not a person. Religion focuses on the how and not the who. That's why a lot of us, we're in church and we try to come to mass regularly because we're afraid if we don't, 
that it's not going to be added to our quota and we may not go. I know some of you. I've heard you talk. Some of y'all go to a Catholic mass at like a funeral or a wedding. You know what you say when you come out of there? This counts. (laughs) This counts. Counts for what? what? What are you counting it on? Well, I think if I do enough of those, if I don't play golf at Pebble Beach on Sunday, now that's one side of the coin. A lot of us, we feel good. I don't have to talk about guilt. That works really good. That's a great tool leaders have over here on the west side. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want something for you. I don't want something from you. What we encourage you to do here is for you. You can choose to do it or not, but please don't feel good. There's a holy guilt. Some of us need to feel guilty about some things, but that's from God in the spirit. I'm talking about unholy, religious-oriented guilt. So one side of the coin is we feel guilty all the time. We don't feel bad until we feel bad. You understand what I'm saying? That's not good. But then what happens with religion is just the opposite occurs too. We get a little haughty because we're such a good boy or girl and we smugly start to feel good about our own righteousness and we say, you know what, I'm pretty good, comparatively speaking. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to practice Christianity. But I'm telling you, I believe people think they're going to heaven and live their life based on how good they are. How good is good enough? Here's the bottom line that I want to share with you and leave you with as I've introduced this series today. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. He came from heaven to earth to redefine and reframe everything about religion. That's what he did. He redefined it and he reframed it. I think God knew that man in our own kind of inclination would gravitate toward rules and he needed to remind us of relationship. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack all of these different sub-themes and I think will make a big difference in your life. Let me leave you with Titus chapter 3 verse 3. I wish I had seen this earlier in my life when I grew up in kind of that guilt-oriented, rules-based kind of thinking. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. At one time, we too were foolish, he says, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. Anybody here that was like that? one time in your life. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Everybody has a story. That used to be our story, a lot of us. Can you remember what that was like when you were a rule breaker and not a rule keeper? In fact, if you can't say that's not who I was, maybe you need to take a hard look at who you are because everybody has a was or you should have a was. That's how a lot of us were. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, there it is, but because of his mercy. You can't do enough, you don't have to do enough, he's already done it for you. You're saved not because of your ability to keep your promises, but because of God's ability to keep his promises. That he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. He's like for us. So that having been justified by his grace, justified means just as if I'd never sinned. 
God pronounces you just as if I, justified by his grace. We might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church on Sunday or Thursday night. That's just our opportunity. We're going to unpack. Why do we then attend? Why do we do good deeds? It's not to earn your salvation. It's to thank God for the salvation you've already got. Some of us here are really good at the rule keeping. How many of y'all would say you're rule keepers? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, some of y'all just did that because I told you. Raise your hand. You, you just did that. Some of you feel guilty because you didn't raise your hand. But some of us are on the other end. We're not rule keepers. We're rule breakers. I know because I know some of your stories. You're rule breakers. There's something for everyone in this series. And when you get a taste of real, authentic, Jesus-centered relationship instead of religion, it changes everything in your life. So I don't care what your background is, Catholic, Protestant, Nazarene, Tangerine, it doesn't matter to me. Get a flavor for relationship. And if you'll do that, religion will not stink. I want to close by showing you Bob and Pam Stoll's story. Bob's an elder here. Much like many of you, you will recognize similar threads of what we've talked about as they share their story. Check this out. Religion is routine, rules. Checking off boxes. Um, things I have to do, not things I want to do. Or get to do. Or get to do, right. Hi, I'm Pam Stoll, and um, growing up, I spent um, my entire life until I was about 45 years old, um, deeply embedded in Catholicism. I went 12 years to Catholic schools and I even taught um, my first year teaching at a Catholic school. But at that time, that piece of religion uh, was, there was no relationship component at all, but it was basically embedded in ritual, routine, and following all the rules and making sure you did exactly what you needed to do um, on Sunday and through the week. I'm Bob Stoll, and uh, like Pam, I uh, attended Catholic schools for 12 years, grade school and high school. The relationship piece, um, I did not conceive of. I never knew what a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was until we began attending Westwood Chevy at Church of Christ about 18 years ago. Um, the relationship piece growing up was, it always involved sports teams or activities. It was relationships that were, I would say, horizontal and not vertical. And so they were very limited. And even though those friendships have remained to this day, they really weren't investments in spiritual growth like I have found here at Whitewater Crossing. Um, there really wasn't an investment in the spiritual lives of other people uh, like there is here. And I think a very important component of an individual growing spiritually is to invest in the spiritual development of another individual. It helps them and it also helps me. And when you have this relationship that you can feel, to be able to share that piece of, of excitement that you have because of the relationship you have with your Heavenly Father. One thing that excites me so much are the relationships that we 
have and continue to form in our schools and that are truly exploding. Uh, because of the initiatives that we have set forth here at Whitewater, we are deeply, deeply embedded in our schools. When I walk into a school, there is nothing better than to get a hug. And for me now that I'm a retired teacher, to have a kid say, is it backpack club day? Is it jam day? Um, are you going to give us granola bars when we come, when it's testing time? Those kinds of things that we are doing, just being God's hands and feet right there in our schools. But to have a uh, student or someone that you have worked with come and say to you, thank you. Thank you for, for giving me that, or for sharing that piece of joy that you have with me. And I don't, I don't ever remember having that growing up. I don't ever remember ever anyone sharing that with me. And I don't remember having that true joy of being able to share that with someone else. When you, when you get a taste of true relationship, it produces an explosion of joy and not guilt. And our goal as a church, our mission, is to lean into this relationship with Jesus that provides hope and a home in his church here. And so we would be honored to partner with you, at least for sure, this next few weeks to unpack some of these things that some of us have been dealing with for a long time. And I promise you, when you get a sample of that, joy will be in your life like you have never experienced before. You will find yourself learning and growing and yearning for more, not running away. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So I can't wait to see where this is going to go. Again, if you come from a Catholic background, we love you. We're honored you're here. If you come from a, Cat a Protestant background, we love it that you're here. But just know, this is not a rule-based thing. This is not an obligation, it's an opportunity for us to move together and talk about the things that make religion stink so that relationship can shine. So make sure you get your book, read the first couple of chapters. You don't have to do this. You get to do this. If you don't want to grow, that's fine. Anyway, uh, you, it's so easy to use that guilt thing. Help me, help me. Get this book. If you have something that you need to pray about, we'd be honored in community to, in relationship, to pray with you. Maybe you're like, got some questions. You're like, wow, this is, blows my mind. I, I've never heard this before. We'd love to chat with you this week or anyway. If you're brand new, back at, down here at the end of the ramp, we'd love to have you have a gift for you at what we call three minutes after, the three after. And God bless you. We'll see you next week. Go in peace. Go be the church because relationship shines. God bless you.